Hi, I'm Daryl Urbanski, and welcome to the Best Business Podcast. My mission is to help create 200 new multimillionaire business owners. How? You'll do better when you know better. In my interviews, you'll hear from self-made millionaires, seven-figure business owners, authors, and world-class experts sharing how they did it so you can too without experiencing the same obstacles they did. Now, if you like this interview, please share it with a friend you think will benefit. They'll appreciate it, and I will as well. You can also connect with me on social media. Look for Daryl Urbanski, D-A-R-Y-L, Urban Ski, U-R-B-A-N-S-K-I, and add me so we can be friends. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy what I've prepared for you right here, right now. All right. Hello, everyone. Uh, Welcome, and thank you for joining us. I'm Daryl Urbanski, as always, and today we are joined by Glenn Bridges, and Glenn came to me, referred to me... um, Basically, I'm uh, like we've recommended. I'm in mastermind groups. I've got support networks, and his name has come up again and again and again as someone I needed to connect with. So I actually reached out with him and asked if he would be willing to do a call with us today because he's got such a phenomenal track record of using webinars to sell pretty much anything, including Ashton Martin's. Um, and not only that, but he's just been really good with helping business owners kind of like the the solopreneurs step out of the being the, the the person who does it all and really get more strategic about designing a business that fits their lifestyle versus what is it a lifestyle that feeds their business I think was a quote that he, he uses so we've got him on the call today Glenn thank you so much for joining us I appreciate you taking time on your schedule I know that you're just kind of coming off of a cold we've tried to set this up a couple of times so we finally got it set down man thank you for joining us how you feeling I'm feeling great, man, and um, I really appreciate you taking the time to do this. You know, um, you had some really amazing uh, guests on this show, and uh, as I said to you uh, earlier, I don't, I do get a few of these requests a month, and I try to uh, avoid as many of them as possible just to really deal with cool people. I think I can have a really powerful conversation with, and uh, so I'm really excited. And I'm just grateful for you uh, approaching me. Yeah, well, again, I mean, it first just piqued my interest, just the people who were recommending you and the frequency of which it was happening. So, and again, you you are kind of a bit of an unknown, and so that's kind of what first got my interest. And after some poking around, I was like, mm. all right, let's get this guy on the phone and see what he's about. But what were you doing before you got started in this? What were you doing before you kind of were figuring out, I guess, sales automation strategies? Yeah, so I have a very backwards um, kind of experience in Uh, sales and marketing so basically how it all kind of kicked off was I actually set up a charity and I set up a charity about seven years ago now and uh, it's still running today and it helps young people to get access to uh, personal development because I had a pretty uh, tough time growing up as a kid and dealt with a a bunch of issues which kind of later manifested in things like a a very crippling OCD and later kind of a depression which you know sent me uh, fortunately uh, into a, a difficult place, which I, I then learned from and kind of got out. But it wasn't, um, I didn't get out of there uh, by myself. I got out thanks to good mentors and um, personal development. So I kind of made it my mission, my raison d'etre, um, for a number of years to get that material more available to young people. And when you start off a charity, uh, which, by the way, folks, <laughs> uh, if you want to get rich, don't start a charity. Um, <laughs> It's kind of a no-brainer thing there, but I didn't I didn't learn that until um, uh, as soon as I got into it. When you want to do something like that, you know, we had zero budget, we had um, no idea of what we do, and we had no plan. I had no skills, no knowledge, and so really, it was like a trial by fire. But it was an awesome place to start because also it's very low risk, mm-hmm. and I was able to really learn my skills with you know no money. And so we would get these 
Uh, we managed to generate leads out of nowhere uh, at low cost to convert them at very, very high uh, rates into our programs that we offered. And we delivered a fantastic service, which meant that our marketing was really done for us. And so that kind of piqued my interest in sales and marketing. I've always been been fortunate enough that since I was about 14, my parents um, were in retail. My mum was in retail and she taught me, she, she gave me a, an apprenticeship like no other. We used to go around... Um, different wholesalers and stockists, and she would ask me, she said, what do you think is going to sell, Glenn? And she would get me to pick it out at 14 years old, and some of it would often sell and some of it wouldn't sell, but mm. she got me this experience of getting to know what people bought and why did they buy, and so I was at 14 years old running uh, or having to run a, a retail store. So mm. I had an interest, but I didn't really capitalize that on time I set up this charity, and it really led from there, but it what what really kind of fired it was at the time when I was setting up this charity, everybody was trying to focus on the formation of the company and, you know, applying to regulations and policies. And I kind of just saw through all of that and just told everyone in the organization that we had, and we had a team of about 10 or 12 people at that point um, that were, some were volunteers and some were full time. And I just said like, none of this matters. if We can't market and sell property properly. And no one in the organization really got it except me. And that was, a really big uh, learning point about how powerful it is, why it matters so much, and being able to communicate that. And I right. still, to this, can we, sure. can we can we articulate that again? Just say that again because it's, it's such an important point. Because I've, mm. I've I go through this all the time. My logo colors, our brand, the look and mm. feel. What was it that you just said? Is that going to go? Yeah. So people just do not appreciate the importance of sales and marketing. Sales and marketing cannot be emphasized enough, as it is everything. Mm. You know, it is every single thing you do and you don't do right and 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 there's nothing to be done in your business if you've got no sales exactly but the only thing to be done is to go and get more sales to go and get more things happening right um so everything else really is either a distraction or a time waster and unfortunately um with the um vast variety of things the internet gives us one of the, the kind of the biggest challenges it gives us is it gives us this infinite opportunity to get distracted and to justify that as important like i need to have my facebook page done and i need my you know 16 part email sequence done <laughs> and it's like that's all really um bs the only thing that we can focus on is how can we directly impact sales and leads right 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 so so what were some of the early tools that you – or how did you solve that problem? How did you crack that nut? I mean you didn't have the skill set really. You had the mindset mm. that you needed. Your environment was hopefully supportive of it, obviously, since you've developed the skills. So what what are some of the things that you figured out in this trial by fire? Like how did you – because you've got a really well-refined process. You're very comfortable with the whole concept and, you know, mm. and you, you yeah, you've got a good sense of what will or won't work. So how did that get developed? How did you, like, what did you try? What didn't work? What did work? What were you repeating? Mm. Yeah, that's a good thing. So a good question to ask, and I've never really asked of it myself, so it's difficult to come back with the first response. But I would say the thing that had always worked is just, and, and will always work till, you know, for the rest of the eternity, whatever, whatever happens to the internet, whether we create, you know, um, cybernetic organisms that go and destroy the planet like in Terminator, right? It's always going to be the same that um, joint ventures and getting in front of your audience with people that have already got it is, is the way to go. And so what we initially did was we did our best to get in front of schools, to get in front of organizations that had our uh, our our target market, which was young people. Um, 
And so we did everything we could. And some were very reluctant. Um, but even though they were reluctant, they still felt this obligation to promote us. or they felt this obligation to at least, you know, show what we had to other people. Um, and so we started like that. We started with just joint venturing um, initially to get the initial fuel in the fire. And then what happened was once we'd stoked that fire and how we stoked it was we created this uh, extraordinary experience, which was this amazing transformational program for young people that would literally turn their life around from, you know, we dealt with young people that had been raped or severely abused to, you know, finally being able to come to terms with that or, you know, having someone that had been um, abused and being able to go to court and, you know, speak in court, whereas they hadn't been able to before or, you know, we had one kid that couldn't work out what he wanted to do with his life and is now um, studying at university to become a doctor. All these, these amazing stories. And so what happened was, these kids came back different people from this program. And so they would go into their schools, they would go into their friends, they would go on Facebook. And every week when we'd run these programs, Facebook would just light up with comments. And so I would say that for us, it was an issue about, you know, people say referrals and build, you know, build a better product, build such a good product that people want to talk about it. Well, that's only partly true because you need to get that in front of people in the first place. Mm-hmm. You need to get it in, in front of some people and there needs to be that critical mass. Mm-hmm. So we used joint ventures initially, had an amazing product. Then, to be honest with you, the referrals and just the uh, viral, small viralness in the, in the ge- geography that we were working in kind of took care of everything else from there. Mm, no, but I like that because that highlights an ideal point and something I'd like to point out for listeners of the call is that you led in the industry with, uh, with a phenomenal product. And there's basically, mm. from my experiences and what I've learned with various through various mentors and, and people, is that every company leads with either one thing, either they're operationally more efficient, either they've got the best quality product on the market, or mm. they know their customer the best. So they may not have mm. top quality ingredients or they may not have XYZ, but they ha- their solution fits what the customer really, really wants because they've done more in-depth research into their thoughts and fears and feelings and wants and desires. So it's like one's a marketing-centric company where they've got a really dialed-in avatar and they really know the pain points and what the real problem is they're solving. The other <laughs> hand, there's the product that's world-class. It's made out of titanium or you know unobtainium from another planet, whatever. Whatever, um, <laughs> right? Or there's companies that are just so efficient, you know, their products might be a dime a dozen, but you'll buy them because even though they're so cheap, it's cheaper to just keep replacing it than go buy the n- nice newfangled thing on the market. So you found a way to get the best product out there in front of a large group of people. And then after that, it just floated itself kind of the rest of the way. Is that correct? Yeah, for the, for the, for the most part. I mean, we still, uh, the charity is still running today and it's still. Uh, you know, needs to proactively market. And so I'm not painting this picture that, you know, all our work is done, but a lot of the heavy lifting is done. And it's always it's always so much easier if you've got some momentum to work with. You know, if you've got something to work with versus nothing. But, you know, if you still speak to, I, I don't have any operational or uh, managerial um, implement, in, um, input in that uh, charity anymore. Um, but if you speak to the people running it, they still are getting people from the existing channels mm-hmm. that we set up seven years ago. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. And, and, for, and still from the original um, 
our clients and customers we worked with um, seven, eight years ago. So that tells you something about what we're doing. And the other thing that you said that uh, we should dive into is that you went from zero to up and running using joint ventures. And that's something I'd really Mm -hmm. like to to mention because I think that's probably one of the easiest and most powerful ways for any new business to get up and running is to, to have a strategic partner because exactly what you said, you're borrowing someone else's momentum. There's someone else has already created an audience and a following and they, they let you get in front and have 15 minutes to just tell your story to everybody. And there, you know, and that can be extremely powerful. You have a great story or a great cause or a great product, something that, you know, can really resonate with people. And someone gives you the opportunity to capitalize on their five, 10, 15, 20, 40 years of energy and effort to create a, you know, a group of an audience that will, you know, that will list, give them their attention when they say they have something to say. So that's one of the easiest fastest ways to grow any sort of business is just to just get an endorsement by someone who already has a large presence, uh, mm. whether it's credibility or whatever in that marketplace. I mean, I know people that have built businesses overnight because they get, you know, they befriend an owner, people who own two or three different companies, you mm-hmm. know, their product doesn't compete with that, but their product, for example, say you, you know, say your friend is a dog trainer and you've mm. got some sort of, actually I had a potential client. He has, um, it's anyway, it's like a miracle food for dogs that basically helps them, helps them regenerate, fight cancer, all sorts of illnesses. And so that doesn't really compete with you because I'm not training dogs, but it complements it. And so if I decided that I had this product and I got a couple of demo bags made so I could have samples and you just let me get in front of your audience and give away a few samples, like, wow, that would be so powerful right away. You know, if you've been in business for 10 years and you just allow me to do that. So Anyone who's listening, that might be something to consider. Uh, if you're stuck or you're hitting a plateau and not sure how to get through and break through the next level, there may be some people that you haven't considered partnering with that you should reconsider um, or people that maybe should be start going to some of your conferences and trade shows to try and meet some of these people that can really give you that sort of leverage. But sorry. I, I, can't, I can't vouch for enough. I mean, just to you know, carry on that, mm-hmm. there, there probably there's been every point in you know my journey – um, where I've made significant process has been the result of some joint venture of some sort. Mm. And I would, whether it's been, you know, on different products we've done or, or, or different webinars or different variations of my business or, or non-business type stuff, it's all come from that. And so I think I'm, you, you need to know what your strengths are as an entrepreneur. And one of mine is I'm a deal maker. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good at sales and I'm pretty good at a deal maker. And I say I'm pretty good because I know there are some amazing heavy hitters that just do that day in and day out. And so I've got the skills to, to pay the bills. Um, and there are people that, that take that to a, a whole new level of excellence. But that, that for me is, is my skill set. And so I recommend that anyone, if you get a chance, look at your, you know, you can either do like an inventory and checking with something, but is, is, is one of my skill sets deal making. I know one of my underappreciated skill sets and something I've reflected upon towards the end of last year was how little I appreciated that skill because that's really where it's got me. So, you know, it sounds, um, fa- you know, fantastic and almost kind of impossible, but if you can, um, find the people that have your audience and you can build a relationship, which is genuine, um, and get in front of them, then you can, you can, you know, fill your sales appointments. You can shift product. You can take your business to, to a whole new level. The thing I would recommend to people though is that it is just as much as a sale as you would if you had a prospect. So you need to think about who's going to be a good fit. Who is it that you want to work with? Building a relationship with them, you know, um, discovering their needs. 
um, and making to sh- sure that you know the three parties in that relationship work very well. So their clients get served, you get served, they get served. So then you know they know that they're getting some need met as well as their clients need to get in there, as well as what I'm doing. And so uh, everyone in that um, process is looked after. So mm. you need to go in with it. Well, there's always this, um, this imaginary third person, and that third person is is the client. So it has to be a, a win from all three angles. No, I think you're right. And there's a couple of things to mention on this as well. So first of all, um, you, you want to try and build exactly what you said. You, you don't want to just churn and burn people at all and – it's really transparent when someone comes to you just wanting. I just want, I want, mm. I want, I want. I get that all. I get that all the time, all the time. Yeah. People like even. It's because you're so handsome. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I don't get that because I'm, I'm just not yeah. so good looking. Yeah. So. Thanks, man. <laughs> but even <laughs> when I'm in my hometown, like anytime I go home and people know that I'm home, there's always a couple people that I don't really have a relationship with. But when they know that I'm close, they like want to buy me lunch or want to buy me ever. And it's because mm. it's not a bad thing necessarily, but it's very much it, you just see right through it. Right. And sometimes I entertain people, but um, I, I invited a couple of guys in my parents' house and they basically came and did like an, a half hour sales pitch on why mm. I should like do that. But there was no. I don't want to go on and on about it, but it was just, it wasn't a sincere attempt to build a relationship. Yeah. It was just like, Hey, you can do this for me and you can do that for me and you can do this for me. So you really should, because you'll be a great person. Um, and you know, and that may work, but when you're someone who maybe is already involved in a lot of charitable initiatives, uh, you know, it's not, it's not going to do it. So the other thing to say about it as well is that you, unless it's a long-term arrangement, where there's a company that every time, like maybe it's a gym membership and you're a chiropractor and so the gym just sends you people all the time. That would be great. But for a lot of things, your JVs, the thing is it would be great to get up and running and get started, but it won't keep you running over the long term because people can only endorse you so many times before they have to come up with something new or they want to talk about their own things. So uh, maybe Jeff, can you or Glenn, you able to speak to Jeff? <laughs> Glenn, can you maybe speak <laughs> to that uh, to a little bit? Um, like yeah, uh, so there's, the, there's there's I'll give you three things to think about. Um, and don't worry about calling me Jeff, by the way. At school, I got called Jeff and Guy and Gary all the time. People just couldn't say Glenn. I mean, I just <laughs> I, went, I went to a really good school. And uh, people still can pronounce my name. I'm like, what the hell is that about? But um, yeah, there's there's a few things I would recommend. I mean, I was thinking about this today because I actually was having a few uh, joint venture conversations um, today. And one of the things that I think is important when we talk about building a business which supports our lifestyle, I think it's important to consider it from um, several points of view. Now, I'm just going to deviate just for a second because this is going to come back to the this going to answer the original question. So we think about having freedom of time, freedom of finance. For me, I include freedom of location, so being able to be independent and, and move around. Free, I also include freedom of obligation, so you know, not being having a calendar, which means you've got to tie down to be here, or at this point you can be free to do what you want to do, other than a few set things you need to have in there. And one of the uh, final freedoms I include is a freedom of expression. And by freedom of expression, I mean um, in terms of can I be myself can I say what I want, say what I feel um, for the largest part and just be completely authentic and transparent? So if I want to swear, if I want to be crude or rude like I would be with my friends and my family, then I'm, you know, I can do that. And so one of the things I like to think about, obviously, in terms of who I select as a client is 
you know, is the sort of person that I can um, swear and be in front of. And, and normally by the time they've got to me, they know what I'm like and they'll be put off if they don't like that and they won't reach out to me. Mm-hmm. And one of the angles we need to think about is if we're going to get into bed with joint venture partners, it's like that also applies to a joint venture partner. So for me, I look at a joint venture partner not as rubbing my hands together, I'm going to make some money. I look at it as, yeah, it's exciting. We're going to probably do some business together. But I get more excited about two things about the idea of that person becoming part of my community and being a friend, another friend in my business or a part of my business ecosystem, whatever you want to call it, and then bringing new friends into the party. So I've got, oh, I had probably two or three joint venture partners, certainly in the last quarter of last year, that, you know, are just great people I enjoy speaking to. And I don't need to, you know, I have been in a situation, hands up, where I've had joint venture partners and, uh, after the deal is done and, and you want to speak to them again, you just dread speaking to them because you just don't like them or their energy or you just wouldn't want to hang out with them at a cocktail party. So for me, when I'm getting into bed with a joint venture partner, I think, you know, is this guy someone I'd buy a coffee? Is this someone I would buy a beer with? Is this someone I'd want to speak to if there wasn't any money on the table? And if there is, then, um, and if that person's a yes, then that's a definite person they want to build. And then you look at the worst case scenario. The worst case scenario is you never do any work together, but you have a great relationship, you have a great time with someone, you have great friendships, someone and the best case scenario is you do some business together and you get both rather than being in a situation where you you produce that money but probably karmically and probably energetically um, there's some debt attached to it and that debt is the ill feeling or the bad will or whatever you have it right 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 no i that's so true because i know i get people that they're so like they have disbelief that they're even going to get a sale like the first few mm. sales are so exciting to them and so there's people that they'll do anything to get the customer right like oh i sing sure. and i dance and i tap dance and i'll paint your house and i'll you know i'll birth your baby and like i'll do 101 things because <laughs> they just they just don't believe they're even going to get the sale but once you start once you're able to generate customers and you become adept at it i think the flip side of that is now it's about who am I going to be dealing with? Because exactly a huge function of marketing is to sift and sort through people. And sometimes it's the people that have the money that would pay it and they would be long-term customers, but they would suck up so much customer service and whatever. And again, it kind of depends on the company you're building. If you're building some big corporate entity and it doesn't necessarily matter because there's somebody that that's their job, X, Y, Z, then maybe that's different. But if you have a small business that's kind of intimate, you've got, you know, 20 or less staff, you know what I mean? Like then maybe it is kind of a consideration. Maybe, you know, you don't want to, yeah, you just don't want to take on the people that are going to be over demanding for no reason, or just exactly said, they have really strong views in a certain way. I have a friend who trains at a CrossFit gym and the owner's already lamenting about his, his, uh, his, his racial standpoints and his political right. standpoints. And that's kind of like, do I want that in my life? So that's a great point. That's a really great point, Glenn. Definitely. So I'll just say um, one more thing on the tactical side of things just to really help out on this point. But I definitely just want to do encourage people to think about, you know, especially if you're in a coaching or consulting business, you know, what is the energy I want to attract in? And who is it that I really want to work with from that side of things? Because, you know, you will find that uh, as you do this more and more, you can choose to be more selective. And initially, if you get your first few clients in and they're not, they're good clients, but they're not ideal clients, then I wouldn't punish yourself if you're just starting off or just getting going. We all need to start somewhere. But to really start thinking about um, companies you work with, um, you know, mentors, peer group, friends, family, um, as much as you can do, is just do I want to invite this energy into my life? And if you do, then 
fantastic. Bring these people on board, whether they're a joint venture partner or a prospect. I'm really talking quite generally now. Um, and if they're not, then don't. One tip I'll give you, one tactic to think about, or two in fact, I'll make a little bonus tactic, is when, when you're thinking about joint ventures and you're thinking about specifically people that you want to work with, try to, if possible, look at how you can integrate and duplicate. So what I mean by that is most people want to do a you know a one-hit wonder. They want to do a one-time promotion and that's it. And then people tend to get you know forgotten about or not thought about. Mm-hmm. So what you want to try and do is think about how can you duplicate that effort again? So if you did a webinar that went really well, how could you do that again in uh, each quarter or twice a year or same one, same one time every year, depending on the particular thing? And then also looking at how you can perhaps integrate into their marketing as it is. So for instance, let's just say uh, in the example of um, traffic versus conversions, right? You know, online, we're driven by traffic and conversions. So if you've got a Facebook expert who's really good at driving Facebook ads and you've got someone who's really good at the funnels or a survey funnel or a video funnel or a webinar funnel um, and you sell that course, then it would make best sense to you know put some content into that Facebook course that then can put a link or drive some traffic or drive an application to your particular program. And so that's something that can, presuming that person's going to promote an evergreen fashion, can continue to be integrated into their business and can continue to supply them the leads. So duplication, integration are my few things. So be selective, duplicate and integrate. And then, you know, you you might only need six joint venture partners a year. Right, 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 right. Because now you're becoming part of an ecosystem. And this is something that a lot of people don't talk about. The only person I've ever really seen or heard talk about this was Charlie Munger, who was Warren Buffett's Mm. right-hand man. And he's got a book Mm. called Poor Charlie's Almanac. And in it, he talks about uh, looking at a market, a free market, as you would an ecosystem. Mm-hmm. And that the animals that survive best in an ecosystem are those that specialize. They have a niche. They, fi- they find prey a certain way. They, they have something that takes them out of the general population and gives them some sort of edge. And there's two benefits to that. One is um, you're specialized. So you've got less competition and you're allowed to be more expert at something and you've got your own approach that's, that separates you from the rest. And there's benefits and disadvantages to it for sure. But oftentimes when you specialize, it's because it's to your advantage. The other benefit of it is now you're not as competitive to the other people in the ecosystem because you only, you know, you only hunt those type of fish and you, you know, you're only active at this time of day and it allows all this other room for other creatures to coexist because if everybody was hunting the same things or taking up the same space at the same time, it'd be extremely crowded and it just wouldn't work out very well. So it almost Mm. is the same thing like you're saying here. If you want to be with a JV and if you, you know, if you're a fitness professional, I'm a fitness professional, we can work together. But if we're generalists, it's going to be hard for us to do that. Uh, without feeling like we're cutting each other's grass. But if Mm. I deal with like, you know, people over 60 trying to regain mobility and you deal with competitive athletes at university or whatever, right? You deal with, it could be anything rehabbing from injury, Mm. but whatever. But now we're still, maybe we're both still like, you know, we're both um, personal trainers, but now because we each have a design, a designated niche, now we can work together in a symbiotic fashion that we can actually support each other over the long term without eating each other's business. Mm. And so I think that that was something that just came to mind when you're talking about, because when you talk about these things, like I know people that they've got co-registration, which means on their websites, on their web forms or wherever, yeah, you sure. register, you're registering for two businesses, not just one, right? You're registering for mm-hmm. whatever. And that's, 
and that's fine, but it's hard to build those again if you're kind of a generalist and you're all kind of doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one hundred percent. So, um, so again, to speak to that, what you're specializing now yourself? You've done this. You've become really comfortable selling all sorts of items. You're kind of getting moving towards the health and fitness niche. Is that correct? So yeah, I kind of straddle two markets. Um, initially, I always worked with business consultants, marketers, people that were selling some sort of financial ROI. And I cut my teeth in people selling business coaching, marketers selling marketing programs or done for you services, and even uh, property investors selling uh, property or investment opportunities or learning how to invest in property. Mm-hmm. So basically, anything with a financial ROI, a hard tangible benefit, that was my thing. I sold it very well. And then what happened in 2014 was I took control of my own health and went through my own body transformation and um, I tended to get a lot of uh, fitness professionals that were just kind of interested in my journey and uh, they respected my trainer who's a very very well-known trainer in the UK and they just started reaching out for help and around the same sort of time my coach and my trainer who was um, coaching me on fitness also wanted to move out of a one-to-one business and have a much more scalable business where he could uh, grow it and get his message out to a much more large people because he has this tremendous magic, but it's it was only servicing 10 clients a year because his fees are phenomenally high. Mm. And so he then came to me and said, how can you help me? And so what happened is like all things like that, when you create a result for someone else, they go to the source, they go to the root. Where did that person learn it from? And so I ended up getting a lot of fitness clients come in and, and taking people who are charging £50 an hour, which I think is probably like $75 now, $80 an hour mm-hmm. um, US, and helping them to sell packages that were ten or £12,000 um, UK money. So again, that's probably like a billion dollars US because uh, <laughs> your, your dollar is kind of weak at the moment, bless you. So that, that happened and now I've just attracted more and more fitness guys and I'm very, very fortunate is that I have a great deal of appreciation and enjoyment for my fitness. Uh, I work out most days. I have a you know personal trainer and, and, and really, really enjoy it. And so I actually enjoy having them as part of my tribe and my group. And ultimately, I like to work with people who are selling a result, selling a transformation either in the fitness or the finance field. And I'm looking more and more into the future about create, bringing sort of being a collector of excellence. So bringing people with different excellences that can help you to live a better lifestyle and bring those into uh, my clients. So at the moment, I'm generally straddled between those two markets, but I definitely will be bringing in uh, a wider variety of people who can just help you to live an upgraded life and a much better life, as someone like Jesse Elder would say. Got it. Jeez, that reminds me of a podcast I really like. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude, yeah. I, I had this idea about uh, 12 podcasts ago. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's this awesome. great guy called Daryl. He's amazing. <laughs> so when you get these people coming to you, because you've obviously shown it works across various industries, and this is a common theme yeah. again, that business is a business is a business. What are the common mistakes you see people making? What are the things that people, like right away, you know, they're, you know, they're making mistakes in you know, one out of these three or five categories? Oh my God, we could like, how long have you got? We could, we could create, we could <laughs> podcasts on this. I'll, I'll give you the ones that I deal with. Um, I'll give you the, the two biggest ones that I, I see all the time. Um, the first one is just wanting to make things way more complicated than it actually is. Ooh, I love that. Yeah. So basically, 
Um, God bless the internet. It has made things way more complicated than uh, things need to be. And so what happens is we take a process like we want to sell a program or a consultancy or a result or whatever it is, and we need seven steps and we need a 16-part follow-up and we need a tripwire and we need a video series and an ebook and an event. And what happens is if you are just starting or even if you're, you know, people have been doing it three or four years and have a, uh, an intermediate knowledge and skill base, you end up needing to be like a, a Swiss army knife and have like five skills down. You need to be a good salesperson, a good marketer, good at assistance, mm. good at what you do and then good at and delivering a good service and being doing admin. And normally when you're first starting off, unless you're starting off with deep pockets or, you know, a redundancy or a nest egg or something, you don't have the cash all the knowledge, all the skills to go and hire that all out. And if you do, you're petrified in doing it. Or even if you do do it all out, you're kind of stupid. So right. what happens then, we want to sell this $200 thing, but we need to make it complicated as we can do. And the truth of the matter is, is there are three types of you know people or buyers that are going to come to you. The first are going to be people that want the result right now immediately. And they're in pain and a high level of pain or have a high level of desire and just want to buy it, depending on what you're selling. Somebody wants to buy an Aston Martin has dreamed about that for years and years and years. They don't want to go for a trip wire and an event and then a video series and then a brochure and then a consultation. They just want to walk in and say, that's it. Right. Somebody who has got excruciating back pain uh, doesn't or their business is is falling uh, ground around them. Don't don't want to go through eighteen steps. They want to find the two step option. Right. Um, there's going to be people who are never going to be a fit for your stuff, or you're not a fit for them. So let's just send them somewhere else mm-hmm. uh, and get some help somewhere else. Um, and there are going to be the people that do want to buy your stuff, but for whatever reason, they need more love, they need more content, they need more um, understanding of what you do. They have all these unanswered questions, and you know they're just not at a, a peak level of desire right now to take advantage of our stuff. And if they did get it, they wouldn't take advantage of it because they don't have that peak level of desire to work with. So um, when people think of it in terms of those three buckets, you know, it's like, really, who are we marketing to? Are we marketing to the person who wants to take action now? Are we marketing to the people who's going to maybe take action three or six or 12 months from now? And everyone's got a different buying cycle. I had a, a lady end of December reach out and say, you know, I'm really interested, but I knew she wasn't at a high level of desire. Uh, two weeks later, she's come back and she's um, super, you know, high levels of desire and wants to get started immediately. Hmm. So people have, you know, can really be, uh, driven by a lot of different factors, and we need to take that in. But the, the first thing I would just say is one size doesn't fit all. Those are the three buckets you want to think about. And if you're building one you know, gigantic automated system that's got a million different pieces, you're probably um, you know, on the road to either burning out or going broke, uh, and probably faster than you know it. So that would be the first mistake. Um, just keep things simple. Um, keep things um, focused on the sales and, and giving the simplest version as you can do. You know, if you, you know, just to, you know, most people that are listening to this podcast will have the skills to do it. But one of the things I'm always amazed by is like people, for instance, who, you know, need to have a lead uh, pages set up. They need a squeeze page set up, but they don't know how to do it. It's like, well, just write a goddamn email and just say people reply to this email or just uh, send them send them the link, you know, after you've done it. Like it's, if speed is everything. Speed is one of my highest values. And so if you want to, um, you know, develop that, you need to be simplistic. You can't be, Things complicated. Yep, yep. No, that's great, and and I, I can attest to that. And even inside some of the seven and eight and nine figure businesses I've seen, 
they're just really simple. And it's, mm-hmm. it's because you can't have a framework. You can't build up to that level and serve that many people without having really simple, like a really simple business model and really simple processes. I mean, if you have to replace a staff and you're generating, you know, nine figures worth of business a year, you got to be able to bring people in, train them up right away. I mean, look at McDonald's, right? Like they can, mm-hmm. they can retrain an entirely new staff at a McDonald's in like a week. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. So I agree wholeheartedly. Uh, and it leads on to the second, one of the second biggest things that I see is that is just uh, being afraid. And the reason I say that and why it links on is because complication is just what another mask for fear. Because right. complication protects you from actually ever facing your your deepest fear. So if your deepest fear is rejection or being successful or you know you know what people are saying or fear of loss, then keeping things complicated always protects you from that from that that reality. And, it, and in fact, it doesn't protect you; it just puts it off for another day. Right. And so. What happens is then we overwhelm our things in, in you know ourselves in this overwhelm and distraction and complication in an effort to do that. And so the second kind of biggest challenge to see people is doing is just uh, giving into fear and giving and choosing to to be ruled by that. Now uh, I'm not sitting here today holier than thou saying Glenbridge is this courageous warrior who never feels fear. <laughs> um, I, I felt plenty of fear in the past two days, but the difference is is that uh, I've got on and done it. And that takes a certain level of emotional uh, strength to be able to do it. But, you know, listen up, folks. If you didn't want an easy life or if you wanted things to be easy or if you got into whatever you're doing to be easy, then um, you might want to rethink your game plan. Because, yeah, yeah, you might want to you might want to just face the reality that uh, it ain't going to be easy in a corporate job uh, or if you want an easy life, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be equal suffering. Uh, or you can choose the entrepreneurial route and it's going to be suffering and it's not going to be easy, but the rewards are going to be there for the taking. So those are the two big challenges I see and that's probably what I spend most of my time. I wouldn't say most of my time in fair, but I spend a good chunk of my time just helping people to see through and get through. And once they start to get it, uh, I generally find that they become really self-reliant, self-directed individuals who you know, can be resourceful and, and not need to necessarily keep coming back to me or even to anyone else and just think, you know, to themselves, what is the most efficient, quickest route I can get this out to market? And those guys always end up making the most sales because they implement it, they move fast, they create massive transformation. And then, and then what we do is we get can get strategic. We can pl- apply, employ someone else to do it, or we can take the time to do it. And if you want one of those fancy, complicated, overwhelming systems, God only knows why. But if you if you really believe that's the thing to do, at least you can sit on it with. 20, 30, 40, 50 grand in your bank and be comfortable rather than uh, doing it on a shoestring budget and panicking all the time. Right. (coughs) Right, right. I I agree wholeheartedly. In fact, I saw a quote the other day that you were reminding me of that is like, uh, fears killed more success than failure ever. It's like fear killed more success than failure ever has or something like that. But it was was most people fail because of the fear, not because they actually fail. That's nice. I like that. I'm yeah. gonna I'm gonna definitely quote that in the future. And I'll and I'll say say my good man Matt Darrell hooked me up on that quote. <laughs> yeah, all good brother. That one that one's free, no worries. <laughs> <laughs> but the next one is five grand. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So so all right, so that's kind of the two biggest things holding people back. Now was that some of your challenges in it or what were kind of the biggest challenges that you faced in what you were doing? Yeah, no, you always see in people their the biggest challenges or the weaknesses that you have confronted or are confronting for sure. And I really am this big believer that um, business is a symbiotic process. So if you 
and it's a very karmic process and, and often those karmic cycles can be very quick um, if you look for them. Sometimes they can take a little bit longer. But basically, um, I would say to you that you know, your struggles will be the struggles of your clients. Your successes will typically be the success of your clients. So it's, there's no, it's no surprise that you know, most of my successful clients at the moment are, have loads, uh, loads more time. Um, you know, some of them work three to four, five hours a day, um, you know, and are finished by lunchtime or whatever. They, you know, have businesses that are doing really well and get their clients are getting great results. And that's because those are some of my strengths. So my clients' results are, are seeing some other things. Um, and, you know, some of the struggles that they go through too, um, that, you know, I see in myself and likewise. So, yeah, being um, really transparent, honestly, yeah, for a long time I, I suffered with overwhelm. And it was a... What what it what it was was the just a creative overwhelm. So what I mean by that is we have and one of the, the le- lessons I've learned and the most powerful profound lessons I can share with anyone on this podcast. That's a pretty profound thing to say, but I'll see if I can back it up. Or a pretty bold thing to say. Yeah, totally. um, I believe in you. Yeah, thank you. I needed that. I needed that little reassurance. Um, is you know you need to one of the best trainings I can recommend anyone goes through is Tony Robbins' Six Human Needs and. Have you, have you done that, Daryl? Have you been through the six human needs? No, I haven't. Sounds like I'm going to, though. Oh, mate, I'll send you a link after this. You'll, you'll love it. Okay. Um, I know you're going to love it. And, and basically, uh, I won't spoil it for anyone listening through, but there are six human needs, um, connection, certainty, uncertainty, significance, as well as um, growth and contribution. And so we have these needs. You have to acknowledge these needs and these values we have as human beings and as entrepreneurs. And everyone's got different values. Most of us are all drawn by common themes like certainty and freedom, etc. Now, one of my um, biggest needs is uh, connection and uh, variety. And how I access that variety is a lot through creativity. Now, for year, many years, I didn't know how to handle that. I didn't know to express that or channel it in a healthy way. So what would happen would be is I'd get really excited and I'd get really caffeinated up and really juiced and really excited and I'd want to go and create something. Right. And that was one of the most dangerous things I could do for my business mm. because I would always, um, can I swear on, can I swear? Am I allowed to swear? Sure. Do what you got to do. Oh, cool. Uh, so I'd always go and fuck up the most essential parts of my business, like the model, like the funnel, like the offer, the things that were working, mm. or I would add more stuff into the mix all the time. And so what would happen would be, I was just creating this awful big mess what I should have done in reflection and what I do today is look at if there's something working, leaving that and going and creating some other space. Now, sometimes that will be outside your business. So it could be like, how am I going to design my week? How am I going to design my year? Um, what I'm going to play guitar. I'm going to design what I'm going to do with my girlfriend this weekend. Right? That could be the creative thing. It could be something completely unreserved. Mm. So you never F up the finances in the business or it could be i'm going to create this whole new program which is going to be awesome and if if it works great if it doesn't work i'm still going to enjoy it because this is one of my creative things but i'm going to do this in a separate time that is not distracting from the core thing that way your need gets met which you know it, it has you can't resist it it has to get met in the same way you need to right breathe and eat and drink and sleep right right so you have basic needs and if you don't if you don't meet them then you get yeah then it's unhealthy and it's how you get priest molesting children and stuff like that is trying to deny real like reality so no i agree yeah you can't you can't fake it you can't you can't walk around all day in a crouch and you can't walk around all day on your on your tiptoes so you might as well just be yourself and just exist and be happy yeah 
So, so one of the things that I would encourage everyone to do, and comes back to when I talked about the five freedoms of a, of a lifestyle business, is having that freedom of expression and knowing your own values and being able to find healthy, um, productive ways of using them. Because when you put them into your business, you'll find a power there that can fuel it up and do incredible things. If you resist it, if you try to meet it in unhealthy ways, then you will inevitably F things up, and that will always show up in your bank account. So sometimes things are going to be a bit boring. Sometimes the things are just going to be standard, and you need to make sure you get those needs met elsewhere um, on that sub stuff. So I doubt one of my biggest challenges was just dealing with the um, creative overwhelm. Uh, that, that came from it and just simplifying things down, realizing where my needs made to get met. And one of the things that we don't teach and marketers don't teach because it's not sexy and it's not compelling, but one of the most important lessons I give to my clients and I, and I look to instill in what they do is knowing what your values are and designing a business that meets not only your financial requirements, your lifestyle and time requirements, but also builds a business which meets your emotional requirements. So if you know you've got a high need for connection, creating an online program is just going to starve you of that and you're only going to sabotage and resist it. Yep. You know, If you've got a high need for variety and you're selling toothbrushes, unless you can find some way of uh, making that fun and creative or giving yourself some creative role inside that, the business is always going to be boring. Mm. No, I think that's I think that's so true because oftentimes people get caught up with the number and the number it's because it's you know of course the number's great and you know value mm. and of course like I like money I don't know anyone who doesn't so um, <laughs> at least no one who has money that doesn't like it because people I know that don't like money they have no money and that's not really that they don't like it they just don't like not having it so and I don't think the Amish do the Amish like money I don't think they like money though I don't I don't know I think well they still barter and trade so anyways. But the point is the numbers are great <laughs> and sexy, offer. but ultimately, honestly, your day-to-day life, I mean, I used to have the goal that I didn't care if I was rich or not. I just wanted to make money doing everything I loved because then yes. it wouldn't matter how much I made. I could be making a dollar a year, but as long as the hobbies I enjoyed doing, I got paid to go do. Uh, you know, the people I like spending time with, I got to go, you know, I got paid to spend time with them or, you know, the, the, the vacations I wanted to take, you know, because I had like a, you know, vacation review site, I would get them for free. Like, that's all I really wanted. And to be honest, you know, there's a, there was a study done and said money does make you happier up until about a hundred thousand a year. Cause mm. around then you can pay for everything you want. And like uh, the difference between a hundred thousand and a million, like you quote unquote might be happier, but it's negligible because I mean, once you have your car, a nicer car, you know what I mean? Like it's it's kind of going to make you happier, but not really. It's not magnitudes of degrees, right? right. It's, it's not, not like it's profound. Not, yeah, it's, it's, like it's incremental. So it really comes down to just building like a well-established business. And, mm. and exactly you said, like having it be the people you want to work with, doing something you love doing in a culture that you love and enjoy. And so you feel you have significance and honestly create a legacy that can pass on forward and just make a difference in the world, help other people. I think that that's really kind of, I mean, it depends if you want to be the next zipper manufacturer. I don't know how you, maybe you do, maybe you do find some deep, profound meaning in creating zippers Mm. for the world, but that's whatever it is, you kind of have to have that. And we've kind of talked about this on the call and everyone listening, there might be a different stages or phases, but you know, it'd be really to your benefit to look at the alliances you have, the alliances you're missing that you could have, um, ways you can support other people's business. Um, and then also, of course, how you're living your life. And are you not doing things because you're fearful or is it because you've designed your business that forces you to be in a situation you really dislike again and again and again? Um, you just need to really take a look at that. I have a friend that he ran his own company for six years and he decided to just go take a job because he just loves strategy and biz, de- biz development 
but he doesn't want to have to do the marketing and sales and all that. So his his mm. vision for his business and that he's still quote unquote a con, like a consultant, but he just has like one client that he works full time for, and that's like his and that's for him. And that's after taking a really deep dive analysis of some of these things and seeing if it's perfect mm. for him or not. And I'm not trying to talk anyone out of running a business, but I am going to say that running a business is not for everyone. And so, again, if you're listening to these interviews and these calls and there's things that you hear people have to do or go through or the energy or time or effort they put in and it doesn't appeal to you, then don't get started because it's a long road. It's a hard road. It takes a lot of time, energy, dedication. You have to be passionate to it to get to the other end. Everybody wants... Everybody wants like the 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 million like the million dollar body, but no one wants to go to the gym, you know, three mm. times a day, and you know, and weigh everything they eat and all that stuff. And that's just the reality of what it's going to take. So, um, anyways, that's my that's my side. That's my tangent. We talked about tangents before we got the call, but that was. Well, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. So you can just keep going. I'm quite happy to sit here taking notes. I'm learning stuff. So well, and it's just it's because you see that all the time. You see people that there's like I know. I've met rich people and I've met poor people and I mean poorest of the poor. I've been in the slums of Kibera and Africa and I've been all over the world. And I tell you, mm. man, there's something to be said for just having one of my goals is designing my 24 hour cycle for my life. And what do I want mm. my 24 hour cycle to be and to include? And what do I want it to not include? And then has that line up to everything else. And so mm -hmm. like I, we share, I shared with you before the interview, one of my goals is to have a network of highly esteemed peers who are world-class at what they do and also people of phenomenal character. And that's part of why I even sought you out because mm -hmm. I didn't really know you very well. But, man, people I know, like, and respect were singing to the hilltops about you. And just from what I can tell from what I found about you, you definitely seem to meet that. So, again, it's, it's really important, the things you brought up, people being held back by fear – by overcomplicating things, by trying to do it on their own. Even if you're not necessarily sharing customers, you can share resources, you can share office space, you can share, like there's a ton of different ways joint ventures and strategic alliances can benefit you and your business. You brought mm. up a lot of really good key uh, lessons here, Glenn. And so anyone listening to the call, you may want to go back and listen to this again and dig deep for those gems because they're there. All these interviews, there's tons of gems. So if you didn't catch it, go back, listen again. Um, and contemplate how it applies to your life, your business, your situation. Whew. All right. So, Glenn, mm. what are you working on right now? What are you excited about? I am excited about uh, helping uh, my I'm – I'm excited about helping taking more uh, entrepreneurs to double or triple their, triple their revenue in a short space of time and then open them up to – uh, a much greater lifestyle than that. So my my job today is, is really three three parts. First of all, uh, is to put the sales in place and the marketing in place to help people double or triple their revenue in a two or three month period, and then to help them use that as a gateway drug. So I'm like I think of myself as a gateway drug, right? Because once you can start, most people don't need a lot of. Um, finance to really change their life. They need to create a level of financial security and a little bit above that to be able to really open themselves up to having a better uh, life, uh, becoming a better entrepreneur, a better person, uh, a better father, a better boyfriend, fiance, um, husband or wife. They don't need, they don't necessarily um, need a lot, but they need to have the right amount of time, the right uh, cash in place, the right business which supports their emotional, mental, and you know uh, needs and gives them those five freedoms which I talked about. So I'm most excited about taking people through that experience to then take them through that transition 
and then open up to a whole new world of living a way better lifestyle and all of that. And then introducing them to uh, my peer group and and my uh, mentors in different areas of life that can help them to really transform their lives and live, uh, you know, life on life on a much higher intensity on in all those different areas. Mm. So my, you know, today we were, I was talking to my girlfriend just before I got this interview, you know, today we were uh, having a really big conversation with uh, a bunch of my guys who have created a lot of uh, income and a lot of time in a very short space of time. And now they're at a place where they're getting to decide and they're, they are scared at the next level. And the next level looks like them is they don't know who they are. They don't know what they want to do next. They don't know what they, their life wants to look like. They've got this time, this money, and they're you know really enjoying what they do. So, what do they fill it with? Well, this is the fun part. This is where we decide what they want their you know their their um, their fit, their fitness to look like. What they want their relationships to look like. What it is they want to you know be doing outside of that interests and their own development and to bring a much more wider set of experiences for their clients and to take them take those guys through a set of experiences through a set of meetings with different people and a series of teachings to help them really grow as individuals and just ultimately become better people and you know predominantly we work with men so i would say better men but we've also got some alpha women in our group as well um and really just looking to build that so uh, there is nothing more stimulating, more exciting, more rewarding for me than when I see someone coming to me who's you know made a massive transition and they are then looking at what they can do or what is possible for them on a the next level and just being able to, uh, in many cases, give them my experience and, 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 and kind of direct them through that next change. And in, uh, in other cases, in a lot of the other cases, uh, being able to say, hey, look, you know, I've been through this incredible experience. This really, really helps. Let me introduce you to the person that can take you that bit further because I'm not the guy to help you get a six pack or get in your best physical shape or increase your testosterone. I know what I did and I know uh, who the right person is to help you. So I can, you know, take you and introduce you to that person, help direct you through that and make sure that when you do that, you know, other areas of your life, like your your family and your your um, finances, are taken care of too. Or you know, when you want to, you know, you you you've got a loss of identity and you don't know who you are, and you're trying to figure out what is it you want to do with the remaining 25, 30, 40 hours of your week, and you're you're you know shit scared, knowing not knowing what to do, to be able to you know guide you through that. So um, that is possibly more exciting. I have some pretty big um, financial goals and uh, stuff goals that I want to do. Um, and that always very, very exciting, but, um, I'm just as juiced up, if not more juiced up about the process in which we're going to do to get there. So, um, yeah, I'm very, 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 very fortunate. And I, I think about that pretty much every day. That's awesome. That's really awesome. Mm-hmm. So how does someone get in touch with you? If they're interested in learning more or maybe reaching out to be one of those people or anything like that, what are the best ways for someone to get in, in contact with you? Well, what I'd probably do, best thing to do is two things. I mean, I'll send, um, People are probably going to be like, this guy says he's so good at webinars, where, where can I check them out? And I've got some pretty awesome ones. So what probably the best thing to do, Daryl, is I'll, I'll give you a link for people to uh, check out um, that side of stuff. In fact, if people just go to getvelocity forward slash Daryl, um, I probably should put in there something like getvelocity.com forward slash handsome Daryl because that's more you know more more accurate. <laughs> and that's um, D-A-R-Y-L. <laughs> thank you. So we'll, we'll, I'll do I'll do both. I'll do uh, getvelocity.com forward slash Daryl D A R Y L and I'll do uh, just for you uh, handsome getvelocity.com forward slash handsome Daryl. All right. And what, what I'll 
They see the man. I bet you've never had any of your guests offer to do that, right? No, no. I'm just hoping it helps. I'm just hoping that that link bumps up in the search engines. When people look for me, they see how handsome I am. Just <laughs> you need to get your SEO teams on it and get them doing it. Handsome Daryl. I have got URLs with handsome in it. That's awesome. We can start marketing for your, you know, for your uh, your your lovely lady. Get your partner on this through for internet. That'd be a good good one. Um, but what I'll do is I'll, I'll if you go to getvelocity.com. So that's G-E-T-V-E-L-O. C-I-T-Y, so getvelocity.com forward slash Daryl or forward slash Hanson Daryl. Um, I'll direct you to one of our webinars. You can um, see some of the things that we do um, and kind of learn from what we've got as a really, really fine process for running webinars. So any of you marketers out there or want to find out specifically some of the stuff we do to build that freedom business. Um, and I would also just say to anyone, um, two things. Um, I try to keep myself uh, you know, really uh, reachable and really uh, accessible. You know, I'm a big fan of Tim Ferriss and, and fortunate to have uh, spent some time with him. And while I love the guy and I can appreciate why he does it, many people have read the four hour work week and they now think they need to become like behind steel walls and unavailable. And I, I tend to think the opposite is, is kind of more cooler. So you can reach me at facebook.com forward slash bridges on business. If you want to send me an invite, say hello. Um, I'd love to know what takeaways you've got from, from this conversation today. That's facebook.com forward slash bridges on business. Or you can just reach me at Glenn, G-L-E-N, at getvelocity.com and, and just uh, drop me a line. Let me know what you took from uh, the training. And if there's anything that I can send to help you or put links your way, then I'd be more than beneficial. So just love to start a conversation and, uh, and hear from, um, you know, you, the listener. So that's where I would direct people to, Daryl. Perfect, perfect, perfect. So that was getvelocity.com slash handsome Daryl, D-A-R-Y-L. Um, or you can go to facebook.com forward slash bridges, B-R-I-D-G-E-S. You said it was bridges on business? That's correct. Yeah, my second name on got business. Yeah, got it. Got it. Bridges on bitches. Bridges on business, or you can email. I, I, thought, I thought you said. I thought you said bridges on bitches because that would be even cooler. But <laughs> I'm not sure. My, I'm not sure my girlfriend would have thought. Yeah, that's, that's, cooler. That's, that's that's my other podcast. It's a different type. Of yeah. Podcast. <laughs> yeah, that's that's my other profile too. That's my hidden one. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, it's where you get to see the real behind the scenes. Um, yeah. All right, or Glenn G L E N at uh, getvelocity.com. Glenn, thank you so much for your time today. I am so glad I tracked you down. Thank you for sharing and just participating and helping me in my mission to help create 200 new multimillionaire business owners. Um, thank you, brother. I really value and appreciate you. Daryl, it's been an absolute pleasure, man. This has definitely been one of the most stimulating uh, podcasts I've had. Um, I want to thank everyone else for, for listening in. And if there's anything uh, I can do to help or you want to reach out for any questions, then uh, to yourself, Daryl, and listeners, then you know where to reach me. Sounds good. Thank you. You've reached the end of our interview. Now first, let me thank you for listening. I appreciate and respect you more than you'll ever know. And now I'd like to ask you a couple of questions. First, what three lessons did you just learn? What three aha moments just jumped out at you? Second, what can you implement for yourself and your business in the next 24 hours? Third, what can you give to someone else to help you with or give them to just do it for you? Whatever it is, remember taking action is the secret sauce to results. Now, if you think this interview would be helpful for a friend, please give them a link to it. It'll help them and it'll help me too. I'd also like to invite you to help me find out more about the challenges you're facing, your dreams, your goals, and how I can help you overcome what's holding you back. We both do better when we know better. And your success is my success. So please reach out and interact. 
You can visit our website, bestbusinesscoach.ca for Canada or California, where I'm from and where I'm living. Uh, You're welcome to also try out one of our paid programs. You can find us on YouTube, Facebook, and pretty much every other social media channel you can think of. You should also subscribe to the podcast, and if you're enjoying them, please leave us a nice review. It really helps. That's all for now. Once again, thank you. Take care of yourself, and remember, the world needs the best business you can build. And I believe in you.